So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, I'm going to read it all through to begin. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah 9, beginning at the top. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Because in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but... In the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And maybe these next words are familiar to you. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you shattered the yoke that burdens them, that bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. That's all it's good for. Why? Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal or passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I'm so grateful for all it took to get each one of us here this morning to wake us up, to fill us with life and breath. And you have brought us to this moment, to this time, and we pray that we would be present to your presence. That we would lean in. As the calendar turns the page, we come with expectations and intentions and resolutions. But I pray that we would just hold them loosely in your presence and surrender them to your care. That you would set us on a trajectory because the light is shining already and we just got to walk in it. So help us and encourage us and equip us. We thank you for the worship in a moment to begin our new year singing praise God from whom all blessings flow. We thank you for this opportunity to hear good news and we pray that you would just inspire and encourage us this morning through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people said, Amen. Let's do a math trick. You ready? I know a lot of you stayed up late. I know it's New Year's Day. The kids have already left and they don't want any homework, but we got to do a math trick. You ready? I did this with the kids at our church because we've been living in Isaiah for Advent and Christmas. And I want to make a promise to you in this math trick. You ready? The answer will be three. The answer will be three. Despite all the twists and turns, I promise you, if you follow my steps, the answer will be what? Three. You ready? Pick a number one through ten. Pick a number one through ten. Did I already lose some of you? You good? You got your number? 
Pick a number one through ten. Now, double it. Already lost somebody. Now, add six. Okay? Now, half it. Now, take away the number you started with, and your answer is... Come on, man. Let's try again. Pick a different number, one through ten. (laughs) Now, double it. Now, add six. Just six now. Now, half it. And then take away the number you started with, and your answer is... Hey, amen, hallelujah. I promised you that it would be three if you follow these steps. So despite all the twists and turns, despite all the tough times and difficulty that was in 2020 or will be in 2023, despite all the difficulty that God's people face and all the darkness, God sends a promise. And it's not the answer three, but it is a light. And that light is a child. And that child is a king. And they're a long way off from experiencing and seeing that light. But Isaiah says, it's as good as done. I promise you, through all the twists and turns throughout history, the answer will be, not three, but a light. And this is really important because Israel and us have to walk through a lot of uncertainty and darkness. But we have to cling to a promise that the light has and will shine. And as we turn the page of the calendar and we have all this set out in front of us, I need you to know that God has made a resolution to you. And the resolution is that the light has dawned and he's inviting us to walk in it. So here's the big idea for the next few moments. It's not on the screen. But if you're a note-taking type, this is it. This is the statement. It's dark out there. Yes? But the light is already shining. So open up and stay near it. It's dark out there. But the light is already shining. So open up and stay near Yes, start running and exercising. Yes, start your diet. Yes, create space to fast and pray. But whatever you do, wherever you're headed, the light is already shining. So open up and stay near. What does it mean to open yourself to the light? To listen, to sit, to be still, to understand that God has grace for you. To be loved and led and formed. Open up. I was sharing with my community last night as we looked back on the year that was and ahead to the year that will be when Keith and I meet in pastoral circles and they're asking, how you been? How are you doing? I realized that for the last like six to eight months of 2022, when someone would say, how are you doing? I would say some version of, man, I'm in a funk. I'm in a fog. And it dawned on me at the end of the year That is it really a funk or a fog if it's like the whole year? And so the invitation for me is to open myself up to a new story that God may be writing. That that doesn't have to be the story of this year. But if I were to be still, to allow myself to open up, to allow the light to shine in, perhaps I can be loved and led and formed and maybe I can continue to walk even though it's dark out there. 
So open up. And then the second thing I'm inviting you to this year is to stay near, to stay near the light, to follow God's word, to follow God's way within a community. That's where we're headed. That's the big idea. It's dark out there, but the light is already shining. So open up and stay near. I need you to understand that some darkness is number one, consequential. You know what I mean by this? It's consequential. If I went to the edge of a cliff and I jumped off, I'm going to face a consequence. Yes? Some darkness we invite into our lives. And if you're reading the book of Isaiah, especially chapter 1, Isaiah begins his message to Jerusalem and says, Okay, there's a problem. You've rejected God and you've looked everywhere else but Him. That's a mistake. You've invited darkness into your life. Here's this light that's shining. Here's this way and this word that we're invited to walk. And you see in the first eight chapters, a continual rejection of God, which then watch leads to a rejection of the vulnerable and the needy. Because when you don't love God, when you're not open to him, you're not being a conduit of that love to your neighbor. And he's saying, hey, Care for the poor, care for the oppressed, care for the vulnerable. But because they've resisted God and rejected the vulnerable, here's what they've done. You ready? They've still clung to their religiosity. This is really scary on New Year, New You for Christians. Because we can commit to read our Bible, we can commit to fast, we can commit to journal, we can commit to prayer and contemplation and retreat and worship, and we can miss God in the process. Isaiah is speaking to a people who have done all the right church things and have completely missed the source of light in life. God will say through the lips of Isaiah in chapter 2, I am so, or chapter one, I'm so tired of your festivals and your songs and your offerings. Would you just love people and turn to me? Some darkness is consequential. It's what we invite into our lives. So whatever your resolutions or intentions, would you resolve to involve God? (laughs) I remember a retreat that our church hosted with a friend and He had written a book and it was all about kind of slowing down and becoming present with God in unhurried life. And he had this exercise that he walked us through and he said, "Okay, I need everybody to take a piece of paper. I need you to write down all those things out in front of you, all your to do lists, all your worries, all those things on the calendar, like some of you might be doing for 2023. He said, I need you to list those things. And man, you could just feel the temperature of the room change. Because everybody's starting to go, oh, man, dude, I forgot about this meeting I have on Tuesday. It's going to be a drag. Or they think, oh, man, I forget that thing with the kids starts up next week. Oh, man, how are we going to pay for that? Oh, man, I have to call so-and-so. I have to do this. You just feel people sinking. And then he said, okay, everybody done? And we're like, yes, I thought this was a treat, a retreat. Now it feels like work. He says, I want you to go back through that list now. I need you to add two words. You ready? I need you to go to number one, and I need you to write at the end, with God. I need you to go to number two, and I need you to write at the end two words, with God. It was hilarious because one of the moms 
in our church, she wrote down like, deal with the kids. And it really snapped it into focus when she said, deal with the kids, with God. All of a sudden, it doesn't feel as much dealing as maybe that changes the color of it. Resolve to involve God. Israel is a classic example of looking everywhere but God and doing all the religious things but the most essential thing to share God's love and light with others. In fact, at the end of chapter 8, if you have your Bible open, if you have it swiped, you should look at the paragraph that precedes what I just read because I just started with this word, nevertheless which means in spite of all of that. Well, the all of that that comes before it is something like verse 8, 20. You keep looking for all these spiritists and mediums. You console everybody else. But guess what? They have no light of dawn. But maybe if I just see the next TikTok thing, or maybe if I just go to the next person, maybe I will find some light. Maybe I'll find enough light for the next steps. And he says, no, 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 no. And then in places like verse 22, instead you're just feeding on what the world gives us. And the consequence is that you're stumbling around in gloom and darkness. And then comes chapter 9. Nevertheless, though it looked rough for these cities in the north, though they've been beat up, burned out, though you've resisted me, though you've rejected me, though you've clung tight to your church worship and your prayers and your devotionals and your yearly Bible plans. No, no, no. Nevertheless, a light has dawned. And it's not from these mediums and spiritists. It's not from your room full of idols. It's not from all the stuff that you stole from the poor and and you've been going in acts of injustice. It's because in God's grace, even in spite of the consequence of darkness, he has said the answer will be three. You can't earn it. You can't muster it up. Your kings are laughable. You've looked everywhere else, but I'm telling you, a light has dawned. Some darkness is consequential. The second thing you need to understand is that some darkness is circumstantial. Some darkness just happens because that's the casualty and consequence of living in a broken, dark, and fallen world. Just a reminder of Israel's history. Before we get to the good news of Isaiah 9, you got to understand that just before and on the verge of Isaiah coming, there was a catastrophe in Israel. So they had this good king David, the David and Goliath David. And then shortly after him and his son Solomon, there's a civil war and it splits into the north called Israel and the south called Judah. And Jerusalem was in Judah in the south. And so they've been doing their own thing. They've been resisting God, rejecting the poor. And so what happens is this little divided kingdom of Israel and Judah, they start getting bullied and pushed around by Assyria. And the reason that it's so dark and gloomy in that Galilee region is because Assyria starts coming down from the north and starts pushing around and knocking around Zebulun, Naphtali, the way of Galilee, en route to Egypt. And you've got little old Israel stuck in the middle, getting smacked around, and the worst happens where Israel gets destroyed and wiped out. 
So that leaves little Judah to the south. And Isaiah is saying, hey, circumstances look rough. The people to the north got carted off. If they're left, they're barely making it. And now Assyria is knocking on our door as they make their way down. There's a circumstance presented that looks like a rock and a hard place. Israel was wiped out. They're knocking on Jerusalem's door. And Isaiah is saying, nevertheless, nevertheless, there's a light that is dawning. But he also recognizes the reality that the people have walked in darkness. I think that the Christian church in Garland and beyond needs to recognize the reality of darkness. What does it mean to come alongside someone in their brokenness of marriage, their brokenness of spirit, the darkness within, and say, cheer up, just read this Bible verse, God bless, have a great day. There's something biblical and Christ-like to come alongside someone and say, I'm going to name this for what it is. It's dark. It stinks. You've been beat up. Some of it is consequential. You've invited it. Some of it, man, I don't know what God is doing in this. I'm sorry this is happening, but I'm going to name it for what it is. This is tough. It's dark out there. Recognize the reality of the darkness, but also recognize God's work within it. The other biblical testimony is that God loves to work in the dark. Exodus and crossing of the sea happened when? At night. Jonah gets swallowed up in a big fish. It's probably dark in there. And God's at work. Elijah, stuck in the mountain cleft, at the end of his rope, feeling the circumstantial darkness brought from the world. And the storm is raging, and it's dark and cloudy and foggy. And God whispers through the darkness in stillness. The thing about the darkness is we recognize the reality of it, but don't miss the reality that God is at work in it. There's a gentleman in our church that is, has some ocular degeneration. His sight is getting worse and worse as he gets older. And he said, I've learned something through the literal darkness of my eyesight. And it's called spiritual peripheral vision. He's like, if you're standing right in front of me, it's hard for me to see you. I just make out a shadow. But my peripheral vision is still there. So I'm learning to look in the corners and in the shadows around me. And I said, okay, okay. I'm still wondering, is this going to be something I can preach to you lovely people? Is this an illustration or is it, where are you going with this? He says, here's the deal. I've learned that I can keep walking forward because I see just enough light in front of me. But I trust that even though I can't see the exact steps and ways that God is making a way in the wilderness or pushing back the enemy and the darkness to the side of me, I'm going to keep walking forward in trust that God is at work in the shadows and the darkness of my life. I said, okay, that'll preach. City Church Garland, New Year's Day. I'm at... We keep walking toward the light. So two questions is, you know, where is God inviting you to take a next step? Nikki, right? Shared last year. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know 
but I bet you took a step. Another question is, where is God inviting you to trust? Even though you can't see what's at work around you, he's given you just enough light to take the next step. And maybe the next one, trusting that his grace is there. You may have noticed when we read Isaiah 9 that it was all past tense. The light has shined in the darkness. You've enlarged the nation. You've increased their joy. Some commentators will call this the prophetic past tense. The reality is, it's going to be 700 years before Jesus is born in a manger in Bethlehem. But for Isaiah, the reason he can say it has shined is because the answer is going to be three. If God says it, it's as good as done. If you still have your Bible open or swiped there on your phone, I would love for you to look at that middle section of his oracle in verses 2 to 5. You see a great reversal. You got to understand the reality of their darkness, that Assyria is knocking on their door and the darkness is closing in. But he says things like, no, no, actually you've enlarged the nation. And they're sitting there going, I feel like you just wiped out that nation. And then he says, no, 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 you've increased their joy. And they say, it doesn't feel very joyful right now. But he's going to replace and will replace our darkness and gloom with light and joy were we to keep walking with whatever glimmer of light they can see. And then look in verse 3. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. This is the reversal of fortunes. They're not going through our things. We receive back what has been taken from us. It's as good as done if you are to trust and stay near to the light. And he says, it's just like in the day of Midian's defeat. And I love that y'all do testimonies at this church because it puts in real present tense context of how God is still working in the dark. And he says, hey, remember Midian? That was a literal historical thing. Gideon had like 300 people. There's no way they were going to go up against Midian. And God brought them through. The light is already shining. So open up. Let God reform, revision, reimagine what's possible and stay near to his word and way within his community. And I love, love, love these passages in Isaiah that's given to the church in Advent and Christmas because he so often talks about how when this light who is a child, who is a king comes, there will be no more war. The boots that oppressed them, the shackles across their shoulders, the rod that kept them in place, that will be dismantled, undone. You will see freedom. And by the way, those boots and your blood-soaked clothes, they're nothing more than firewood now because when this king comes, when this light shines, you won't need those things anymore because his kingdom is one that ushers in God's shalom, which is holistic flourishing, and you need not take up that sword again. And then you say, hey, it's still dark. And I say, yes, 
We recognize the reality of it, but we walk in the light that's shining so that by God's grace and the Spirit's leading and the kingdom community, we would be the light that we're seeing. We would be the peacemakers to which we've been called and we would see beginning in our own hearts war ended between God and us and us and our neighbor. And then that shining to our families and then leading out into our church that we might be peacemakers and light bringers working for God's shalom on earth and in Garland as it would be in in heaven. Amen. He will reconcile a divided, violent and war filled world because were we to follow this light, there need not be any more wars. Some people on one side of the spectrum say, you know, this this talk is all spiritual. He's going to forgive the darkness within. He's going to put to death the enmity between humanity and God and humanity and one another. It's spiritual. And I say it's pretty crazy because Jesus' first sermon from the book of Isaiah was talking about good news to the poor and healing and renewal and restoration and the lepers he cleansed and the poor he fed. They experienced something that was a little bit more than spiritual. It was a tangible expression of the kingdom of God. So the danger is to say, oh, it's just spiritual. But it's also a danger to say, oh, it's just political or material. And the good news of the light who is a child, who is a king, is that God has established a reign unlike any other king that they had seen before. Unlike any warmongering bully the world had seen, and his reign will usher in not only a spiritual renewal and vitality, but that overflows and expresses itself when God's people act according to God's light and his way. Is it spiritual? Is it material? The answer is yes. Because your gospel is too small if it's just spiritual, and the light is only for me and my sins. It is that and it's so much more. Your gospel is too small if it's just come to our clothes closet on the third Saturday and we'll give some people Steve's shoes. It is that, but it's so much more. It's yes. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, the light, the child, the king is the reigning Lord of heaven and earth. And all people are invited to live with his gracious reign. And they'll experience freedom from sin, death, and evil. And they'll be filled with God's Spirit to go and walk in the light. That's good news. And it's good news to the people that are struggling in the darkness of slavery and oppression, just as it's good news to those who've brought about the consequences of their own actions of resisting God and living a life mired in sin and darkness it's good news and it's a child who's unlike any other king who's come before so much so that isaiah is going to give names about the kind of god that would send this kind of child and it's wonderful counselor it's mighty god it's everlasting father it's prince of peace and a lot of commentators would say this is like the throne names of egypt but the truth is if you keep studying you keep reading they say, actually, there's no real category for this. Because those Egyptian guys, they'd use like five names. And Isaiah's name means God saves, but he ain't got four of them. 
there's something Isaiah is alerting us to that this king is different. He's a wonderful counselor. He's wise. He'll decide between the nations. He's mighty God. There's not a lot of kings running around called mighty God in Israel and Judah. This king is different. He's powerful to heal and to bring about protection and provision, which is also why he calls him eternal father. And understand that the concept and doctrine of the Trinity is something that is not really at work here. You don't have to worry about calling this light who's a child, who's a king, eternal father, because there's something about him that protects and provides for his people like a father would. And the reason he's different from all those other kings is because there ain't no other king running around Israel and Judah that's eternal. Methuselah had a good long life and a lot of birthday candles, but that man ain't eternal. There's something about this king, and he is the prince of peace. Which is why 700 years later, he's born in the region of Galilee, is where he's going to base his home base. That's where he's going to work and minister and repair and shine light in the darkness. But he was born in a region around which someone said, the prince of peace, and they were talking about Caesar. It was on their coins in their pockets. It was on their inscriptions in their marketplace. But the angels lit up the sky, lit up the darkness and said, no, no, no. Here's the Prince of Peace. And it's a child in the darkness. And he's a light. Who do you need this child, this light to be in 2023? If you need wisdom... Don't do what Israel did, looking everywhere else. Look to Him. If you need power and freedom from oppression, don't look to Egypt for an alliance like Israel did. Look to the child, the light. If you need something eternal like we sang about that is beyond the grave, beyond the fear of the darkness of this diagnosis, look to Him. And if you need peace, Would you look to him? Because this king is the kind of light, unlike any other, who will transform us and the world. It's dark out there, but the light is shining already. So open up to him. Stay near to his way and the community. See, Isaiah knows what he's like. He's like a wonderful counselor. He's like a prince of peace. He's like a mighty God. And he doesn't know his name. He has this God-inspired imagination to look through the darkness of history and throughout all the twists and turns and subtract this and add that and wind up with two. No, 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 it's three. It's going to be this. He doesn't know his name, but he knows what he's like. And we know his name. Amen? John will write a gospel reflecting back on his years of walking with Jesus of Nazareth who walked through the regions of Galilee and shined light in the darkness. And he's going to begin his gospel in John chapter 1. And he's going to say, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was not just this. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then in verses 4 and 5, he's going to say, in him was light. And that light was the life of all mankind. And you want the good news? 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It can't comprehend it. It can't uh, understand it. But it will not and has not overcome it. And you say 2022 was dark. And all I saw was sparks and glimmers. I was in a fog and I was struggling. But in Him is light. And in that light is life. And the darkness has not overcome it because you're here in this moment. So open up and keep walking. Take a step. Isaiah knew what he's like. We know his name. And he's inviting us now to follow him, to know life and freedom and forgiveness. Recently, I had an opportunity to sit down with a CEO of what's called the Seven Hills Foundation on the East Coast. They're the beneficiaries of the running for clean water that happens in our city. And he was telling us that they're this large corporation, but the small arm of it is Seven Hills Global, and they've decided that they're going to pour a lot of focused resources in a small area of Sierra Leone. So in Sierra Leone, they're working primarily in the places that would be called the bush. No electricity, no running water, and they started by building wells. And they tracked the data that saw that children... Um, mortality rates and infant mortality rates were like quintupling with access to clean water. And they said, if that's what a well can do, what if we had a clinic? And if that's what a clinic and a well can do, what if we added a school so they didn't have to go a whole day's journey to school? And so they added wells, which led to a clinic, which led to a school, and all of a sudden, you've got this community developed, so they added a church. Because these people are wondering why some randos in Garland were running a 5K to send money to build them this corner of their clinic. And so they wanted to know who's the source of this light in life. So I'm meeting with this guy, and I don't know why I was there, <laughs> but I was just loving these stories and asking him these questions. And he said, what's insane is that we realized there's another need. And for $900, we realized that we could add a solar lamp post in the center of the village. Because I had experienced when I went to Kenya, in the rural bush of Kenya, the use of the latrines, which is a fancy word for an unfancy and unglamorous situation of using the bathroom where they had these concrete structures a little bit wider than this banner over here, and they were concrete stalls with a hole in the ground. That's the bathroom. So how many of you are parents with three-year-olds and whatever, four-year-olds? 3 a.m., you're kind of groggy, and you're like making sure that the toilet seats up and they make it, right? Now imagine there's no electricity, and you're in the bush in a... African country. And so they said, for $900, we're going to erect this solar lamp post to help ease the way when the darkness comes to make sure they can arrive safely to and from. And what they found on repeat visits is that what was once a functional lamp has become a communal space 
Because now that the sun sets, they don't have to go to bed immediately. Instead, the moms come out and the women come out and they're uh, working on knitting together. They're talking and laughing. And if they're there, their kids are there running around and playing in the light. And then the dudes finally come out and they're shooting the breeze. And you see that what was once functional becomes communal. And what's interesting is I bet if you went to Sierra Leone... They wouldn't say, look how dark it is out there. They would say, look how bright it is now. Because something as small as a light, something as small as a child, something as small as having the reign and authority of God being brought to bear on the earth and God's passion accomplishing this, starting a tiny spark at Christmas, shining into the new year, can transform your family, your heart, your community. Would you open up to it? Would you stay near to it? There's something about this community in Sierra Leone gathered around a light that has inspired and empowered and equipped me to look ahead to 2023 and say, what if, what if we would be a people gathered around a light, opened up to be loved and led and formed Staying near and steeped in God's way and his word that is light and life within a community pushing back the darkness through the power of the light that has already shined. Amen and amen. God, we are grateful for this opportunity to gather. I want to say thank you for bringing me back to this building. I didn't say this earlier, guys, but I went to Sunday school in this room for the first 10 years of my life in this church. And when we prayed in Keith's office, it was overlooking the garden where my grandmother's remains are put to rest. And there's something about this full circle moment of talking about a new moment, a new year that we're reflecting back on how God's light has shined through all the twists and turns of our life. And to be here where my dad was teaching Sunday school, to have the first experience of prayer, to light candles in the darkness. I just want to say thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for another day and another year. And we know not what stands before us, but we know that you go before us. So would your light continue to shine because you've promised it, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but because you are good and you're faithful to keep your promises. Would your light continue to shine? May we follow each step confident of your leading and your love. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. For some of you, that may be a first step toward Jesus on this first day of the year. We invite you to come to open yourself to the light. For some of us, that'll be the 5,000th step toward Jesus. This will be our time to respond and to take a step back toward the light and life that has shined, that is shining, and the darkness will not overcome it. Amen and amen.